millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hampler and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, oh! pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews roundtable discussions and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by hamlet and sidgwick to review last night's aew dynamite a show <laughs> once again overshadowed a great show once again overshadowed by backstage shenanigans sidge it wasn't it wasn't for me personally i have got a a lot more vested interest in the off-screen conduct of CM Punk and the Elite because I care more about them than Sammy Guevara and Andrade. So I honestly watched <laughs> it, read a little about the Twitter, read a little bit about the Twitter drama, and it was just like partridge shrug for me. I was like, I, you know what? I had a really nice time watching the show. I just want to luxuriate in talking about the show and looking forward to reviewing the show. And I'm just kind of exhausted by all the backstage drama and all the rest of it at this point. Anyway. I'm sure we'll talk about it, and I'll be earnest and, you know, enthusiastic about my appraisal of it, but I just kind of want to talk about the uh, the two hours and 15 minutes that I thought were great. Mm. I still maintain that there are core issues and silly tropes that need to be addressed by the company, but when I talk about the trifecta of episodic wrestling television, promos, matches, angles, my God, I got them all in that beautiful, like, Un, that's what I'm looking for. Unparalleled package that AEW offers across two hours, or in this case, two and hours and fifteen minutes of episodic TV. And there was a lot, a lot of thought that I, that went into like one or two things that I just thought was wonderful. Yeah, the only reason I say that is because I was talking to to Hamfler about this this morning. Um, in that I watched this show, and actually, ironically, I was thinking about that trifecta. Uh, early on in the show, I was like, well, we, they've got the match. They've got the matches. Got the matches out of the air. Out the air. Uh, the first match was absolutely <laughs> sensational. Of course it was. Um, and he got, got the angles going. And there was a bit of me that's like, I just needed that third part of the triangle. And we'll get to it. 
But I feel like John Moxley just went, oh, there you go, there you go, mate, sort that. Yeah, nice, no, mm. uh, thank you. Thank, um, you. thank you, Marks, for being the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the reason why this podcast is slightly delayed is because Michael Sidrick has written all of his fantastic thoughts about this in ups and downs at whatculture.com as well. Uh, Hamflet, yeah, the, the matches, it's amazing when you just put on loads of great wrestling matches, how easy a good wrestling show comes together. Uh, well, I mean, sort of identical experience to both of you in terms of how I watched this show, completely unaware of the nature of the kickoff. The... You knew uh, it was happening, though. Well. You knew it was going to happen. And uh, well. everyone except Tony Khan uh, seemingly knew this. It's an abomination that it occurred, right? Which, again, is like something for a, a longer-form conversation. But there... Who could have seen it coming? Well, <laughs> indeed, you know? Like, for guys to be calling the shots on Twitter and then delivering them, I mean, it is quite funny. But somebody should have stepped in to stop that. It's not on. It's, a, it's still a workplace. Um, you but, pointed out something quite good. Regarding the, the people backstage going, should I get involved in this? Well, this is it, right? If you're Pat Buck or Christopher Daniels, the last time you jumped in the middle of a fight, you were suspended. <laughs> so those poor stars must have been stood there going, uh, do I stop this or what? What's the protocol now? Like, sh- should I bite him? Any dogs to watch for? What should I do? Like, it's, You should save them, if anything. If yeah. anything. <laughs> Actually, no, you know what? Let the dogs get trampled or anything. That's because apparently, get you a long if suspension. you save a dog, right, you get a suspension. What are the rules, Tony? What are the rules? No, it's like, really irritating when you don't know what the rules are. <laughs> it's exceptionally irritating when you don't know what the rules are. And you would have thought saving a dog would get a suspension. Honestly, let the dog get trampled. I'm start, the, the bigger this sort of story grows in infamy, I'm starting to picture him like with a cape on, like now in full superhero. I'll get that dog. <laughs> just bars <laughs> it behind the young books. As CM Punk callously yeah. grabs it by the leg and like that Simpsons gag. His own with dog. The, like the, yeah, like that Simpsons gag with the gerbil. This is the part of the job I hate. And he just spats <laughs> the gerbil against the basketball hoop. And he catches it. By the hind legs. Boom. You know that they... Uh, Kenny, I... No! <laughs> Jade gets suspended for doing that, which he actually did. Exactly made. that. Jade, Pixies. Like, they could get the Baja men for Kenny Omega. <laughs> <and come back. laughs> Dynamite was good. Yeah, Dynamite yeah. was good. It was great, it was. Yeah. Let's dive Greatly. straight into it. <laughs> it is uh, the third anniversary show, of course. Uh, Excalibur welcomes us. Tony Schiavone, Taz. Lord the party was nice. The party yeah. was jumping. He's doing it, not me. No, no, you both do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The show opened with the star of the show over the past three years, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, coming out to the reception he deserves. (laughs) Um, Against Wheeler Uter, of course. 129 days, Excalibur told us. It's been since he had a match in AEW. It's usually the gap between all of his matches. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and Regal's <laughs> popped him. <laughs> Regal's, I liked Regal's. Like now, I've been a bastard uh, over my years, but I've never gone that far. Yeah, great. Tony Schiavone. Um, early on, they get into it. Dueling chants from the crowd. Dueling uh, moves from the wrestlers. The old Ric Flair strut to wind each other up, um, and then MJ, of course, uses the ties to drive you into the corner. And takes over, wears him down. Batbreaker into a gut wrench slam gets him a near fall early on. Um, you gets back into it though, skinning the cat into four rolling German suplexes. Uh, but uh, for the second time early on, this happened as well. Uh, MJF's down. You goes up top, and MJF just slowly rolls Orange Cassidy esque away from any possibility of you hitting him from the top rope. Uh, MJF targets Wheelie Uta's arm. That's obviously going to play into the match a little bit later on. Uh, hits a nasty powerbomb into like a backbreaker. They showed a replay of that and it was like, oh, oh, you're back. Oh, your head and your neck. It looked cock six. <laughs> <laughs> it looked rough. 
Uh, he's not slapping Wheelie Uter about. That wakes him up. He hits an enziguri. Uh, there's like this rolling pin thing. Where it's just, it's not even one, two. It's just one, one, one. <laughs> um, MJF goes for a tombstone at one point. Uter rolls him up into another series of near falls. They collide with a double clothesline. They're this is awesome chance come come down as they tease being counted out uh, on a on and both get up at nine. Uh, Utah gets goes up top for a third time, gets crotched. It looks like MJF's going to hit a top rope tombstone. It's done before, yeah. Uh, but Utah does a brilliant uh, escape via Super Hurricane Rana. Um, MJF rolls to the outside, gets taken out by a tope from Utah, uh, and again, Utah goes up top, and MJF rolls away to a space that he thinks is sufficient enough to be all right and flips off Utah, and Utah does this huge dive into a splash from the top uh, to get himself a two-count. Utah drops the uh, BCC anvil elbows, um, goes for the seatbelt, but MJF counters that into his submission, salt of the earth, you is trying to get to the ropes, and MJF repositions, and it's like a new version of this, and it looked horrible to take, and understandably, um, he gets the submission as a result of that. Post-match, actually, no, let's talk Let's talk match first, then we'll talk post-match. Oh, this is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, every wrestler should study the way in which MJF bumps. Well, you can't. There's no point, because he's just got to completely bang on. He doesn't waste a single second to tell a story with something that ordinarily you watch your heel get bumped and they might theatrically go out oh, that bloody it and like um, clutch their back or something like that and you're meant to receive the baby face as a hero for hurting the body heel like MGF just thinks so much more deeply about it he tells a story through the way in which he bumps and it's always incredible earlier on like he at one point and it's only like split second stuff but just before he was about to get a move administered to him hmm. by Wheeler Utah. He clasped his hands in prayer, so to say, please, no, I don't want, you know, to suffer damage. Another one, he always, like, kind of does his bump early in his matches for a bit of slapstick, like Arn Anderson in the 80s would be proud of him, where he just kind of lands flat on his fucking ass. <laughs> it's like, oh, good, the dickhead clown got his ass kicked. <clears throat> that was great. And then deeper, when he knows he has to go more serious and the competition's really igniting, He'll take something to the barricade and just splatter against it as if he's just died upon impact. <laughs> like he's in a car crash. Like his bumping is so characterful. There's nobody else like him who can do that in pro wrestling. And then when he doesn't bump, he achieves the ultimate wrestler's platonic dream of, you know when the old wrestlers go, getting work for nothing, that's the way. Mm, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're all like Homer Simpson apparently. <laughs> and like, there's some weird fans as well who goes, yeah, that match was incredibly boring and the barely bumped did anything. Great storytelling. That's smart. No, it's boring. <laughs> but MJF accomplishes this by doing this really accelerating sort of, at this point, signature sequences with the one, one where Bryce, it's always Bryce going mm. one, one, because he's the most fit referee, I think, from the outside looking in. And MJF is so good at wrestling that he can command a standing ovation by not only taking a bump, but it's a nice little bit of cardio for him. Essentially going to the gym. <laughs> These are lines I've already written in ups and downs, by the way. <laughs> so apologies for regurgitating, but Meltzer's been doing it on Observer Radio and the newsletter for years and years. <laughs> so why can't I do it as well? Um, two more things I want to add. The bit where like, it's so good at putting his opponents over as well. The bit where he rolls over to the other side of the ring, flips the bird, you can't do this. Then the audience then thinks, oh, not only can he... Do that, really, you there. But how awesome is he for being able to do that? Because it looks like this impossible. He puts over aerials, even though he himself, in character, hates them. 
That's mm. how good this guy is. He establishes him, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Just makes, even when he's taken, or sometimes he delivers, like when he did the Made in Japan against Punk, when he dares borrow from or sell the, the new school that his character ardently hates, it's always fantastic. It's also such a great bit of character work that also doubles his great, uh, like, exhilarating in-ring action. The sequence on the top that went from the teased Tombstone pile driver uh, to the... Um, Top rope Hurricane Rana mm. was majestic. I've got this weird pet peeve about stuff that happens on the top rope, right? When there's a struggle and it goes to a superplex. Sometimes I think it can look far too contrived. And other times I'm like, I'm so bored. It's like so labored and taken ages. And I know it's meant to convey a struggle. Like I'm not an idiot, but it just, sometimes it just feels really awkward. This felt not contrived at all. They didn't muck about, but they also registered, registered everything mm. they were doing on that top turnbuckle struggle really well. It was magic. This whole match was magic. And MGF being a megastar, returning and working a fantastic match, set the all-important tone of a great, great broadcast. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially. Um, we do. You know, obviously, he said he was going to open. So that was... It allowed your expectations to be fairly high because one of the... You know, it's his third anniversary and one of the great sort of... Uh, cornerstones of the great dynamites was the hot opener and the way that you were just in such a good mood for a show because over 15 minutes and I know there's like an advert in between the first match now and there never used to be but over 15 minutes or so you've kind of ideally been shown a little bit of what all of AEW is over that 15 minutes the ideal AW opener certainly gives you little flashes of all of that. And like MJF at this point, the greatest trick the devil ever played is pretending he's not like the most complete, awesome professional wrestler in the world because that's what he does. He doesn't even hide it in plain sight because at this point he's telling people and showing people in every match he has. When you put out a tweet today, and he's like, I'm tickled actually when people don't think I'm the best in the world at this. You know, there are so many examples now that he is absolutely class. And yet his one of his many tricks is delaying the matches or talking down to his opponents in such a way where he kind of like sort of tacitly buries himself still, or he lowers your expectations each time, and then your mind is blown time after time after time. He's a genius at that as well. I was wowed. There was one bit in particular. I thought his corner stomps were fantastic. Like, he, it was early in the match, and it was the first proper advantage he'd taken over Uter. I think it was after the trunks pull into the corner, and the way in which he just leathered and leathered and leathered and leathered, as if, well, I'll take this advantage now because I'm not sure how many I'm going to get, and that's super early. And again, it's like it's all, everything is seen, setting everything. If he's going to do that in the first 30 seconds to a minute, there's an implication of desperation there so that when he reveals this incredible arsenal or this incredible like amount of offense that he's got, in the, he's thinking so many things at once, thinking, why'd you go down to desperate? You've got it all. You don't need to do that. So he constantly plays with you and he knows, and you get the impression certainly that like he knows he's doing it and the way he's peppering things into the match. He's done this so many times now. It shouldn't work as effectively mm. as it does and yet it does. Um, him being, I don't know if this was if this was like shared by everybody or it was just a little thing. There's been discussion on it like for the last few weeks with, it stuck out to me last week when um, there was a clip of, I think it was Moxley hitting a DDT and it was like, it was CM Punk he was hitting it on, but it was one of them like flash WWE edits where it was like, you can't see CM Punk. And there was another one where like Omega was edited out. And there was all those tweets yesterday about, oh, it's an anniversary show and Kenny and the books aren't there. This, this doesn't feel right, you know? And of course they're going to put over the roster now rather than leaning too much on the past. But they're in a tough spot at the moment where it's not just Kenny in the books, is it? It's Cody, it's CM Punk, it's a lot of other people who've been significant to AEW's history that can't be mentioned. So leading with MJF almost for a second made you forget about that. Like, this is the anniversary, and here's 
like one of the biggest success stories and another here he is a walking talking justification for why AEW needed to existed and it kind of helps you forget about all the people that can't currently talk mm. about and show I will say one thing before we get to the post match I did see a little bit of conversation about how that neither punk or the Bucks or Omega were shown in any capacity on the anniversary, which felt weird because it should be celebrating all of AEW, and they were integral to it in different ways. They can't. Yeah. End of. They can't show someone like Kenny Omega in a flattering light on Dynamite because ultimately, if this thing goes to court, they could be absolutely hauled over the coals by someone's potential legal team as if to say, when well, you're celebrating him on your broadcast, you've obviously taken a side, you're obviously biased towards mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. Look at what, you can't do it, like, come on. Yeah, it's it. not as simple as to just yeah, sit you, to play you, clips, is yeah, it? Yeah, use but. your head. Uh, but let's talk about the post-match, because, yeah, he lets go of the submission, he uh, celebrates, obviously, Wheelie Utah's back up, offers him a handshake, and it looks like he's about to take it. Uh, then in comes Lee Moriarty, attacks him, and MJF furious. He didn't ask for this, didn't want this from the firm. Stokely Hathaway's going, it's all good, I've sorted it, don't worry. Um, and he get, breaks it, and he's like, oh, well, if you insist, I'll dynamite diamond ring him in the face. He gets given that by uh, by Stokely. Um, but up steps William Regal from commentary. Always got a pair of brass knucks on him, does, uh, does old Billy. And uh, there's a stare down, and MJF retreats just from a mere stare from William Regal. Is he turning babyface? No, but this was a tremendous way to throw you off what, which I, I think I mentioned the other week, I want to see William Regal get bloodied up in the build to the Moxley match, and that's going to happen. Um, MJF did ask Lee Moriarty to come out. He did. Um, and that's what's so great about his character is that he makes you ask those questions. Um, like the fact that he's getting these huge grabs every single week is feeding this idea that the babyface turn, now that we've seen what it can look like, MJF, the character, can start leaning into it as well, which is great because then he can subvert it and break your heart all over again. So this, like, presentation of him coming out, like, him theoretically pushing back the help and is he going to shake the hand of Wheelie Uter and all that sort of stuff, that's perfect for just building a little bit more element of surprise or cruelty when he bludgeons Regal because that would be the action of an MJF anyway. So how would you make that feel like a shock? You make it seem like it might not be. The like, great, I, I love that detail. The greatest I'll, trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. He said this before. This is true. <laughs> it's such a tremendous detail because a lot of people are campaigning that he should turn baby face and that it's untenable I don't think so yet at some point he's going to have to at yeah. some point yeah. I think they've still got a lot of um, stuff to play with they've got it's not as if like it's the one guy in WWE that people project this kind of thing onto because God knows everything else is boring this company's got awesome baby faces that he can play off um, but the idea that this campaign exists among fans and some members of the media like, he has to play baby face he can play with that and he's a snake he is a snake old man, and he will surely bear his fangs before this feud with Moxley is over. Already a baby face for me, anyway. Um, then there's a video God, package. It's not gonna shine, yeah. <laughs> the uh, Danielson Garcia Jericho Guevara match. Um, we go backstage. There's a Jericho Appreciation Society talking about how Garcia is their family, but he's lost his way, and Daddy Magic's there. Just, I love pissed. Dude, looked at me, and you've done this to me. <laughs> uh, he's lost his way, yeah, they're saying. Uh, <laughs> I like this hat! (laughs) That was Hager's contribution. Uh, Jericho called Garcia a rebellious child. Oh, what a cock. That's Mm. great. But tonight, lessons will be taught and lessons will be learned. Uh, They hope that Garcia makes the right decision. Should point out here, the one-line Sammy Guevara said, I missed because of deafening boos, which I was like like Hamlet going, 
that's a lot of heat for a few tweets, you know? Yeah. It wasn't until the graphic drop and the packs working double duty whole thing that I was like, huh? Yeah. And then I like I didn't I still didn't give it much thought because I was what? Yeah. <laughs> but like again, speaks to Andrade and Sammy Star Power that I saw that and I was like, oh, they must have changed it because it was a terrible match. Not because Andrade <laughs> was sent, because it was a terrible piece of booking and they've they've figured it out. I never once questioned that it might be because of a fight. Uh yeah, so Garcia, make the right decision. If not, we're gonna end you. Oh, and one more thing, I'm gonna desecrate the legacy of Ring of Honor. <laughs> What I really liked here was Jericho kind of talking around his bollocks. Tony Schiavone's deadpan. You mean systematic cheating? <laughs> just so good. So good. Like, just, I love, like, a proper broadcast. Was it like tomato, tomato? It's like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like trying to bite off that. Like. I love a goddamn professional, senior, authoritative broadcaster. That was great. What else is great? is they made an arsehole of what I said last week, so that's fantastic. Not everything, because this Soraya thing was still rubbish. Um, <laughs> but the idea that Jericho and the gang didn't immediately kick the piss out of Garcia for daring to turn on Jericho was kind of explained here by Jericho by saying, you know, there's still a way back in. I always respect what he did. Um, but, you know, he's still teasing the idea that he could come back into the fold. and He's not that pissed off. Mm. So maybe that explains last week, maybe. Yeah, not a clean break, I suppose, which they played with in the match as well. Mm-hmm. I was in a way better mood with all of this after the yeah. show. So, like, I don't know, like, is that me not letting it play out? But then when the company goes for a run where you're kind of not feeling like you're being rewarded for letting it play out, that's what stops you letting it play out. Yeah, and maybe. Then you have to, like, it's an impossible medium to analyse. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. never ends. There's no finale and there's no, yeah. there's, there's no period of introspection where you can discuss what happened and you can plot oh, A to Z. Had a problem with P, but what did Z did Z make sense of part mm. of P? You'd never get that with wrestling. Mm. Yeah, we're, uh, re- every wrestling fan is inherently hypocritical because they're like, you need to do more long-term storytelling, but also they're like, give me that right now, yeah. otherwise I won't understand it. Or this plot point that I don't consider, maybe they'll do it next week. Mm. Yeah. Just, this is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, oh, they're going to have to do something in this match. And then the moment they went, of course, uh, Danielson's facing Jericho. And I went, oh, there's where it's going to happen then. Mm. Like, that's going to be the big... Because I was thinking, why wouldn't he betray him here? And it's like, because this is the bit where you... Eh, yeah, so we'll get to it. Darby Allen, Jay Lethal was next. Um, uh, back and forth counters to begin with. Uh, Darby Allen hits a springing arm drag into a bit of a stalemate and offers a handshake, but Lethal cheap shots him. Uh, monkey flip lands Allen on his feet, but he tweaks his leg and Lethal just zones in on it and targets it. Um, keeps going for it. I think one of the breaks we went into was when he just chop blocked the crap out of it. Uh, Darby Allen crumbles off an Irish whip, uh, but he does get a Lethal in a nice guillotine and a scorpion death drop for a two count. Uh, when we come back, um, Darby Allen's coming coming back himself. He goes up top, but uh, Lethal hits a super dragon screw out of the corner, pops him in the figure four. Darby Allen gets to the ropes. Lethal goes to the Lethal injection. Allen ducks and Lethal just eats crap, basically. Uh, He hits him with a code red, gets a two count, goes up top. He's going to do the coffin drop, but then suddenly out comes Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh and Lethal's like, no, I didn't want you here. Piss off. Uh, Darby Allen nearly gets a win via roll-up for two, uh, but he then uh, gets him Rolls him up, last supper, for the one, two, three. Uh, post-match, sort of mirroring the, the opening match, uh, which was a bit confusing, but I'm sure you, sure you two will explain it. Darby Allen offers his hand, says, come on, you don't need these two pricks. Uh, and Lethal, yeah, does shake hands, and uh, there's Sanjay Duck going, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have put this back to back, but in itself, you know me, and my opinions on Solid. Don't care about Solid. Hmm. Don't care about Solid. 37 
old, exhausted, minimal free time for myself. Could be playing Breath of the Wild. <laughs> it arrived in the post yesterday. Theoretically, if I didn't do this as a job, right, could just be playing Breath of the Wild and still be a little bit late and just don't watch Dynamite this week or whatever. Those are the options facing mm-hmm. people. I don't need solid in my life. This was a solid, quietly very well-worked professional wrestling match, and I think I really goddamn needed it. Just the idea of Darby Allen on the pre-tape saying, God damn it, I just want to win a wrestling match against someone who I really respect and think could win a wrestling match on their own terms, and I kind of want to sniff a title again. Great. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Too much of that, <clears throat> and it's very, very dry. You don't want to do a three-hour raw under Triple H. Yeah, absolutely, under no circumstances, Hamlet, want to do that. <laughs> but you need a little bit of just dry, solid, functional, this is what it's all about storytelling. And without being really, really hot in the arena, some of the work here was fantastic. Yeah. The flip counter from Darby Allen when he was, for a split second, just in, I think it was Paul Turner's way, and then Jay Lethal chop-locked him immediately. What a fantastic perfectly timed yeah. bit of pro wrestling storytelling that made it feel real. It made it feel like Jay Lethal wasn't putting on a show, wasn't telling a story or doing anything. In that moment, it felt like a professional wrestler, a person playing the role of a combat athlete, which I would like to believe more often than not, just in a nanosecond went, oh, his leg, bang, I'll try and take it out. And then that proceeded to be the next beat of the match. Just love that spot so much. Mm. I thought Darby Allen's sold throughout the comeback. This is just really well worked. Not really tremendously exciting. Possibly wouldn't have put it back to back, but I needed a fixture. This was a fixture, and some of the wrestling was genuinely quite gorgeous. Yeah, I don't have an explanation for the handshake. And there were other ways to illustrate that point without completely yeah. redoing the Ring of Honor handshake spot thinker. But that like, was the theme, though. They yeah. mention Ring of Honor all the time. They even made sure to mention, like, deeper in the night, everyone, loads of people have observed the the Code of Honor, and it's like, well, why? Yeah. Because it's AEW. This feels like I wouldn't be surprised if, in fact, in the next fortnight, the TV deal w- would be announced. They really... They lean on it a lot, So I, I think mm. that is why they did the handshake the second time. Because there would have been other ways to be like, you don't need those guys rather than extending a hand. Yeah, and I know the thing is they are guilty, and Hamlet's been correct to point this out for three years. They are guilty of loose agenting, Mm -hmm. uh, repetitive, diminished return storytelling. They've done things like this before, and I don't necessarily know, but they did talk about Ring of Honor and the Code of Honor so much that it felt like... It's not by accident. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we get a video package for the Embassy because, of course, uh, Brian Cage is set to fight Wardlow for the TNT Championship. There's the Gates of Anag- Agony, and there is <laughs> oh, no Prince Nana, who is over in the What Culture office. We love him. Yeah. We absolutely love him. We, We're in the money. <laughs> We're in the money. We played that clip about 10 times. It's just great. Absolutely great. Kind of allowed myself to forget that they'd switched that from Tully Blanchard Enterprises because of my like lack of interest in the Ring of Honor product at large. So when I like even yesterday, I think on the podcast, I was like, "This is probably going to get folded into some sort of war joke, Gates of Agony yeah. thing." I hadn't considered that Prince Anna was a part of the package. I was just like, "Oh yeah, Brian Cage hangs out with the big lads now, doesn't he?" It's like well, there's a popper involved as well. Yeah, should have appreciated that more. Yeah, uh, and then we got Wardlow versus Brian Cage for the TNT Championship, and uh, yeah, he ordered two big men. <laughs> Beating each other up, and that is exactly what you got here. Uh, quick start from Cage, but Wardlow hits shoulders in the midsection in the corner, uh, and then they just collide in the center of the ring. And there's a big old slugfest. Uh, a snap Hurricane Rana from Wardlow. Both these men do ridiculous things that yeah, their size sh- shouldn't be able to do. <laughs> and Cage responds with a head scissors. 
<laughs> Wardlow blocks the 619 into a slam, goes for the power bomb, but Brintano uh, distracts him, and that allows Cage to hit a sit out Alabama slam for a two count. Cage does reps with Wardlow before chucking him over his head with a fallaway slam. Wardlow keeps getting cut off by Cage. He uh, goes up top and hit, and hit a twisting scent on out of nowhere. Uh, released multiple released German suplexes. Chucks him about, regains control. Gets cut off in the ropes by Cage, though. And a big suplex from the apron into the ring gets him too. Uh, he goes for the drill claw, but Wardlow floats over and spikes Cage for another near fall. Uh, he does that wind-up lariat, uh, but he gets countered into deep-sea diving... Deep-sea diverticulitis. Deep-sea diverticulitis? Yeah, diverticulitis. Yeah. Yeah. You got it right first time. Yeah. <laughs> Goes for a powerbomb, uh, but Wardlow just headbutts him. Heads when Finn him. Balor targeted the diverticulitis. Yes. What a spot that was. That was great. I'm going to go for his flesh-eating stomach virus. That's a good call. Thing. <laughs> I'm going to go for his flesh-eating stomach virus that impacted him several years ago, but it still kind of works <laughs> with your wrestling brain on. Uh, Wind-up lariat from Wardlow. Powerbomb symphony. One, two, three. Again, we'll talk about the match first, and then we'll talk about the post-match. So much fun. So much fun. Uh, again, like you are just going to get takes on the, the ups and downs review, but ultimately... One of my favourite noises, and I said this on Twitter as well, mega fans will forgive me, one of my favourite noises, and it's mainly I associate it with the All Japan Pro Wrestling crowds of the 90s when they see a move that they can't believe they're seeing, mm. 90% of the time because they shouldn't have been seeing it, but it was, <laughs> you know, the style at the time. And they get dumped on their heads and they see some inhuman feat of recovery or this horrific thing that should damage someone profoundly. And they go... Oh, <laughs> ooh, and it's like they did that with for the Wardlow Tierras. It's like, oh my god, you are awestruck. I'm listening to a sound awestruck by what a pro wrestler has just done. Great, that's the noise you want to hear. And there are idiots who would prefer no fans so that Bailey's face can appear on every scene <laughs> of the Thunderdome so they can do cool stuff like that. No, you want to hear that. You want to hear yeah. that reaction. Um, spot was awesome. This was, I thought I was bored of this in 2017. Evidently not, because I a, I lapped this up greedily. I thought it was so much fun. The crowd was really into it. Wardlow felt like a champion. Brian Cage, who I thought got a really assured pre-tape, actually. Mm. At least I think he was... It wasn't the best promo I've ever heard, but it's probably the best promo I've ever heard Brian Cage cut. Um, I would like him back more often. Yeah. Felt like an audition. Three years and it was deal. <laughs> well, at least two years and it was deal. Yeah. Um, but he passed it, so... Yeah. Prince Nana is banter. We love Prince Nana. Feels like a good act all of a sudden, that doesn't it? After Brian Cage has had such a, like, almost like a throwback Brian Cage. The, ki- the type of performance that wowed you the first time you ever saw Brian Cage yeah. have a Brian Cage match. It's a good it's trick, that. Just ice people for two years. <laughs> yeah. Ice people for a year. It's actually, they were quite good. Yeah, that's why he signed them. That's why he signed them. <laughs> Just gaslighting half his talent. Yeah. That's what they're all doing backstage. This can I ever go this week? Like, you know, the um you know, Partridge has let himself go and he's doing Crash Bang Wallet Water video. I do. And he's like sort of oh, these, you know, there's big car crashes in the UK. He knows but, Partridge. But check out this idiot in America. I feel like how this like this was Crash Bang Wallet Water Hogan Warrior. Like, check out these monsters in the future. <laughs> it's like sort of big muscly guys in space. Like anti-gravity pro wrestling from these yeah. just enormous jacked up monsters. Incredible stuff. Everything what I loved about this was that this is everything you would have hoped for but because of the two men you would have hoped for quite a lot mm. and they gave you it they actually Could gave you with it a like, nerve hold but yeah <laughs> like, like brian cage this used to be like 
exclusively his MO, this type of thing. And then Wardlow's come along and it's like, it's awkward in wrestling when a newer, younger version of an old guy comes in. And Brian Cage is far from this like old, weathered veteran. But he has to look at Wardlow and think, well, my days are numbered in this company. And yet he goes out there and he says, well, look, there's a, there's a place for both of us or there's a place for us like both to have these matches. Again. Like, there's another version of him that you can use me for. And like, as you say, like an audition three years in. Um, and I feel like they'll one day go back to this too. This, they had the type of chemistry that there's a rematch in it and they'll show a video package of the first one and add like sound effects of bombs going off and yeah, things like that just yeah. to remind you of what you what you actually survived the last time you watched one. You notice as well, the first three matches were won by MJF, Darby Allen, and Wardlow. I didn't even put, put that together, yeah. Three anniversary stuff. Anniversary stuff and in sort of defiance of a creeping narrative of our sister WWE guys stirring trouble and it's just feeling a bit like TNA and all these takes... And I've had similar ones. This felt like a defiant and calculated response. Of, no, hang on. This is who we've got. This is who we've built. This is who's over in our company. Never let it be forgotten what we actually do here. Um, I just felt a little bit um, calculated for me in a good way. Maybe that is the future. Maybe that is what the fans want. Uh, the Gates of Agony, though, post-match hit the ring to attack Wardlow. Samojo tries to make the save, but it's you know the hold of the embassy, so it's four men on two. So uh, the numbers game... Again, uh, is against them. But who should come to make the save to a snap crackling? He's baby. But FTR, uh, and there's a face-off, and probably presumably a t- tag team title match down the line. Battle of Bales announced, wasn't it? Was it on the yeah, graphic? Yeah, So, aye. That'd be interesting. That'd be fun. Something to look at that, isn't it? FTR trying to get around Gates of Agony and like have one of their matches and make it great. I'm into that. The thing about FTR as well is they're not just Bret Hart nerds. They're obviously tag team nerds, but they're not just like Midnight Express, Rock and Rolls, Fantastics, that era. They're bang into their like early, well, late 80s, early 90s Fed stuff as well. Mm. Like um, they're named after Demolition. Yeah. Dax and Cash, Axe and Smash, that's what it derives from. So they'll be relishing, I expect, the prospect of working a team who are in the mould of the Road Warriors and that kind of archetype, I think this could be tremendous. I think they might watch, like, have a look at, um, like, Rockers Demolition, Rockers Twin Towers, that sort of thing. Like, apply smaller guy stuff, do a little bit of flying, but just enough. Like, I think they could, Rockers like... Rockers versus Barbarian and uh, Haku at WrestleMania 7. Oh, my yeah, God. Man, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So oh many... My so- God. <laughs> Any younger listeners, right, out there who haven't really gone back and watched their fed from Coliseum Video, Silver Vision, Golden Era, whatever you want to call it, go and watch the two tag team matches from WrestleMania 7. Yeah. Rockets versus Haku and Barbarian, and Hard Foundation versus the Nasty Boys. Oh, my God. They're both fantastic. But now you quick pick-me-up of nostalgia and great storytelling and great action. My God, those two matches are great. You know what's great? Just in general, as an aside. And, you know, the Gulf War and all that stuff was incredibly awful. And genuinely, it really was to exploit. The first three months of WWF storytelling from Royal Rumble 1991 to WrestleMania 7 are exquisite. And I would possibly put it up there with, if you take away all the Gulf War rubbish, and it was, the way it links from... Oh, my God, picking the glass out of Ultimate Warrior's forehead when Randy Savage... Yeah, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The Gulf War is bad, but Jesus Christ, when you deck an entire WrestleMania out in American flags, it looks cool as... I'm telling you. <laughs> like, the blue with the red and the white everywhere on that set. Ultimate Warrior versus Sergeant Slaughter from the Royal Rumble 1991 oh, is one of the most underrated matches. Absolutely raging. Like, as a kid, like, that was unacceptable. <laughs> what happened to the Warrior there? I, I remember that. I remember how that felt. The scepter shot. 
Oh my god! Like Savage, maybe that's what happened to him. Before you were that much of a dickhead. Before that, everything was fine. Before that, next thing he's in airports telling kids to fuck off. (laughs) There's a shot. Randy, like Warrior, charging 100 miles an hour. Randy Savage appears in the shadows and hits him with a spotlight. It's just like unconscionably cruel. Like from the darkness, Randy Savage. Oh oh God, the Warrior's in real trouble, Dad. Can you come and help, please? Savage falls over him because he's so intense. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Unbelievable. It's but, a shame about the Cold War. Yeah. It's, it's a real shame about that element of it because the storytelling and the and the drama's absolutely out the ass. Photoshop did not exist. And WWE paid to, like top dollar, not the guy in Hit Row, top dollar. Yeah. And they're big, still paying him inexplicably yeah. in twenty twenty two. Big money to make it look like Sergeant Slaughter and Jamal Adan had gone to meet Saddam Hussein to get his endorsement ahead of the World Title Defence Council of Hogan. Jesus Christ. I <laughs> like they got the money out the guy as well because uh, WrestleMania 8, they did the same thing with uh, Flair and... Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was mine before she was yours. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. I remember... I, I can't remember... I don't know how old that was well, when I found out that wasn't real. Like, that was going so many years. I've been like, yeah, that was that. happened, obviously... It was a bit iffy, but it happened. There was definitely a Mandela effect about Slaughter burning the American flag. It was a Hogan shirt that he burnt. Yeah. But for years later, you would read it on forums when just, like, getting the tape wasn't readily available. And there'd be me, like, well, I'm correcting. Uh, actually, I think you find it was a Hogan shirt you burnt. <laughs> you've, you've misremembered that, actually. Well, you get more of this tomorrow because you two are going to preview Battle of the Belts and Rampage, aren't you? I'm off. I should have just shut my mouth. I <laughs> say the same thing now. I do this all the time. <laughs> just divert from previewing FTR and the Gates of Agony with more night you want WWE. Yeah, yeah, we'll do, we'll do a, a retrospective. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. 
Right, next up, it was the six-woman match. Uh, but actually, before that, we have Britt Baker backstage announcing that Soraya will never wrestle in AEW. I love how it's up there. It's like, I declare yeah. <laughs> Really good, really good heel stuff, this. Uh, she said, uh, the doctors Did will... Did she think this was just going to... All right, okay, well, Britt said it, so... Manifesting, yeah. <laughs> I think, is the phrase, isn't it? What's the doctors phrase? manifesting. Yeah. The doctors haven't cleared it to compete, so that's that. She might as well piss off. And this is my house now, DMD, all that sort of thing. Uh, and then, what is going on in the first hour? Well. We get uh, Tony Storm, Athena, and Willow Nightingale with Saray, who is in uh, their corner, of course, against uh, Jamie Hayter, Serena Deep, and Penelope Ford, who, of course, had, well, Kip Sabian and Britt Baker and Rebel in their corner. Uh, Athena looked great at the start of this. Bit of a quick series with her and Penelope Ford. Um, and she Athena flipped out of her head scissors. Uh, Ford tried a crossbody off the second. Athena just caught her and slammed her. I thought she looked great early on here. Um, Athena gets isolated in the wrong corner, gets picked apart, uh, hits a crossbody though on Deeb and tags in uh, the interim AW Women's Champion Tony Storm. They continue where they picked up where they left off last week. Actually, Storm hits uh, sweet cheek music, but gets distracted long enough for Deeb to chop block the leg and take control, take us to the break. Um, whilst uh, Storm's trapped in this leg lock. Hater and Deeb get involved, and they manage to hit double suplexes on Athena and Willow, who are trying to make a save. Uh, Storm finally makes the hot dag to Willow Nightingale after an insiguri. She runs wild. Deeb cuts her off, choked her in the ropes. Rebel grabs a crutch from under the ring, and is going to twat her, but Soraya stops all that from happening. Um, Willow pounces Deeb across the ring. Ford jumps in and cracks Willow. Everyone tr- takes each other out. Ford does a Matrix dodge. Looks like she's going to fall, recovers, hits a cutter. So good. Awesome, that. Awesome. I rewound that because I was like, what was... Because you could hear it. You know, commentators will sometimes go, wow. And you go, that's not you. They were like, whoa, 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 (laughs) what happened there? Uh, Hit a cutter for a nice two. Goes for a handspring. And I know this is for you, Hamflet. Oh, my God. Willow drop kicks her in midway through it when she's up against the road. Never seen that spot before. Love that feeling. Well, nobody's ever done that before. Hit a Dr. Bomb. One, two, three. Willow Nightingale gets the win for her team. Uh, and post-match, Baker's squaring off with Soraya. Uh, there's a brief back and forth between them. Baker gets out of there and Rebel gets super kicked by Soraya. Who may be cleared by the doctors after all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. A way better way of teasing it than threatening that she's going to be an on-screen authority figure. This is great. This was sensible. It was terrible the way they set up the match. I hate the idea that baddies and baddies are automatically friends and goodies and goodies are automatically friends. It just reduces them to absolute objects who happen to talk and wrestle. Like, ab- like abstractions in physical form. Hmm. David Lynch caught that. Talking about Killer Bob is an abstraction in physical form. Right? Yep. So, but they are just, <laughs> oh, you're a goodie. Oh, I'm a goodie too. Let's res- let's team up and wrestle the baddies. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not eight years old. <laughs> I'll happily be eight years old again when I want to revisit 1991 <laughs> WrestleMania 7. Speaking of which, but, <laughs> tomorrow's Battle of the Belts preview. <laughs> but no, I hated the way this was set up. But through a supremely inelegant way of putting this match together, this is what you need to do. You need to show people that there's talent in the division. You need to profile them. You need to put, as Hamlet has pointed out many a time, so I'm sorry for stepping on his dick. It's a bit hard, actually, to do any of the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the idea self. here is that you can't let these crowds, because you've already let them do it too much, 
get bored during a heat sequence for someone who's not over. Like, they need to do these trios and tags out the ass until these women get over. And Willow Nightingale and hopefully Penelope Ford and certainly Jamie Hayter, this is working. Yeah. I really liked this match. There was some spots in it that I just went, oh, my God. Yeah, it kind of ruled it, actually. It was like a masterpiece of construction because everybody got over, like, as much as they needed to get over. So if any, if you think about this match back, probably the person that got the least profile was Tony Storm. And she's there, got, she's got the interim title, and that's who you've seen plenty of at the moment. Willow Nightingale was positioned not just to win the match, but to have all of these counters and all this cool stuff that she's brought previously, but only ever really in defeat. Like she's always felt like one of them special guest wrestlers that you're, you're going to see lose on Dynamite and then go back to the dark elevation loop and... It was totally different here, and then obviously it would be revealed later why that was, so that had a purpose to it. Penelope Ford is there. I guess she's the exception of what I just said, because how many times have we praised Penelope Ford, mm. and then she's never given an opportunity to follow up? So this is yet again a situation where she is absolutely, like, grab the opportunity with both hands, and you can only hope that more is to come. I'm with Sidgwick. I don't want to see baddies hanging out with baddies just for the sake of it, but that seems to be the thing that's gotten her here, so let's figure out a way to keep her there at least. Um, Athena had a good night, and I don't think she's had... A lot of great ones. Mm. So it's, again, I'm gonna like start being a bit more generous and put that down to rust. And she's maybe she was injured a long time like, mm. before coming back. So maybe it's just finding herself and feeling a bit more confident in a in a role or in a division where she's gonna be empowered a bit more. Um like everybody that, that was over or is over typically in this division was like over out the ass here because of how they're positioned. Jamie Hayter has got that monster pop when she came out. Every time Serene Deep tagged in, it was deep, deep, deep. Like there was a period, I think, where the fans were getting so quiet that those within AEW were possibly leaning on that and being like, no, we're doing what we can, but uh, they're all just shrugging and they're going and getting drinks and T-shirts. That's because of you. Yeah. So, like, the fans here, when they were obviously given, they were put in the right place on the card, they were given all the right time to shine, the fans responded because, of course, they did. Like, this is all people want to watch. And I, I did love how, like, there was a real buzz in the air as Soraya was, like, landing some blows, even in a fist fight, and everybody's there watching, waiting for the bump, and then it doesn't come. So they've teased it out in just mm-hmm. the right way as well. Like, a really, really strong, um, like, comeback, a bounce back from last week. It's a long road ahead, but, like, this is... Everyone should feel a lot more encouraged than they were this time seven days ago. I'm in a lot better mood playing this now. It's time to play the game! What game's that, Michael Sidgwick? The game is called Ladies' Night, and until... Uh, I still don't want to do the jingle. Okay. I still don't want to do the jingle until these signs improve. Um, but ultimately, the game is Ladies' Night, the um, satirical intention of which is to name to the second, the hour, minute, and second of the first time you hear in the obligatory women's match the first entrance theme, right? With the idea being that we were trying to get it to the identical minute, hour, and second... Like, weeks on end to mm. prove that. It's just an afterthought, and it's token, but, you know, they're putting them in the bloody first hour now. Mm. And uh, so what was the actual time that the first entrance music was played? Shout out, as always, to Adam Blair at Adam Wilton 4, who's doing all the admin for this. It was 57 minutes and 10 seconds. Well, I think we have a wiener. <laughs> <laughs> in last place, it's me. It, with one hour, 36 minutes, and 39 seconds. Very cynical of me. Mm. Why would I think that after three years? <laughs> with, with 15 extra minutes yeah, at the no. end. <laughs> in second place, it was one hour, 20 minutes flat. Yeah. With Michael Ham flat. Ooh. I don't know why I've turned it to Will Bourne all of a sudden. God. I did the step on his dick joke. That was good. Yeah, in, the, in the wiener is Adam Wilborn. 
Zero hours, 43 minutes and 44 seconds. So you were too confident, but you know. Yeah, I was yeah. close enough. So it's still 10 minutes on out, but. Just as an aside as well, we, we learned something today, okay? Right? We were talking about the women's division and the state of it on the preview yesterday. Yeah. And we were talking about how the threat of Paige Soraya being in an, ugh, an on-screen authority figure inspired a feeling of dread. Mm. Sprawled into a conversation about Sunday dread. Oh yes, and I we were about talking, yeah. and we were wondering to our Yank listeners if there was any shows that had the same sort of heartbeat, um, antiques, antiques road, road show, show, songs of praise, songs yeah. of praise, like those oh, horrible things that you would have on a Sunday night as soon as The Simpsons finished on Sky One at half six. That made you realize, bloody hell, I'm going to school. I've got school dread yeah. or work dread. It turns out <laughs> that those man. adorable yanks have got their friends across the pond. Friends across the pond, thanks for the goddamn listen. <laughs> They've got their own very American phrase for this. I'm the, I, I, whenever you say this, I feel I have to do the Scott Hall fingers. <laughs> it is spooky, Susan. So if there's any, you know, French people or German or England who don't know what they call the Sunday dread. Sunday. What, is it, what they call the oh, Sunday yeah, they dread. The, the Americans call it the Sunday scaries. <laughs> it sounds like a section. Of, <laughs> sounds like a section of the newspaper, doesn't it? Hey, you got the scaries. <laughs> well, I'm really reading the funnies and sports. I think it's the actual Americans have pointed this out to me. And I'm just taking the piss out of yeah, them. We appreciate it. It's we all it. Football, football, finish. Football, sixty minutes TikTok. <laughs> uh, what else? They had somebody with Simpsons, I think. That okay. must be a thing over there as well, like maybe Six O'clock Simpsons on the Sunday Scaries. Loved it. I love that. I, I love I, It's affectionate. Country. Yeah, hang on, wait, I can make it better. And God bless the United States. There we go, fixed it. <laughs> I would argue that's much worse for people now. Yeah. The, I love that, like, like, this is what makes America brilliant, is that, like, the UK is this tiny little island, and so we can all say Sunday Dread. And there's different regions and different accents and that, but we've all got this, like, fairly shared experience. 50 states. Almost, I'm, I'm sure every single one of them bigger than the UK, in fact. Yeah. Massive, vast country collectively coming together on a Sunday for the Sunday Scaries. Right there. Scaries. I got the Sunday Scaries. Which I lived on the, the West Sundays. Coast, so my Sunday Scaries came three hours later or earlier, but whatever the f*** it is. Like that. <laughs> the Sunday Scaries give me the creeps. <laughs> Sunday Scaries to Master Champa. Just get to bed, you got school in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and everyone you hate talks shit about you. <laughs> and you should be scared. Get the Scaries. Sunday Goldies. <laughs> right. Coming back to Dynamite. Thanks again to Adam Blair, as always. Thanks to the Yanks. Thanks to the Yanks. We do did appreciate that. Thanks, Yanks. Thanks, Yanks. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> A lot of people were telling us the show, like, but then throwing out like Sunday Scaries, the thing we would know. It's like, yeah, my Sunday Scary was 60 minutes. And that got me again. That <laughs> yeah, popped me again because yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, we... we we all know what this is, do we? Yeah, yeah. That's what this scary is. Ooh, spooky ghost. <laughs> On a Sunday. <laughs> hey, my Sunday Matt. scaries is usually a pre. <laughs> <laughs> Hall- Halloween's on a Monday, so you'll have a super Sunday scary at the end of this month. <laughs> Ooh, I'm scared about going to work. It's Halloween. Sunday scary. <laughs> scared of going to work on Halloween. Yeah. That's a super Sunday scary. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh, I feel like a right dick because I did genuinely appreciate hearing what people's Sunday scaries were. But it was it did make me. It's just it's just a very distinctly yank way of doing. We're arseholes in Britain, aren't we? We yeah. are like we're <laughs> cynical pricks to stuff like that. Yeah. God, for, God forbid you just have some sort of earnest nice phrase or something without us dickhead here and rip it to bits. Uh, like scary. <laughs> Makes you think of like everyone in America, like Scooby Doo, when they're running away from the baddies and they're all like running in motion at the same time. <laughs> right, backstage <laughs> on AW. It's Old Man Sunday! <laughs> Tony Giovanni's there with uh, Roosh, Jose the assistant, uh, and private party. He used his tablet. Yeah, he did. For once. He's going full Drew Gulak, a PowerPoint presentation of uh, private party not being there for the Andrade family office, I assume. Uh, and they say either they were showing me clips, and I was still like, I don't do that again. Yeah, <laughs> roll yeah. that one more time just so I'm explicitly clear who's who here. Uh, game, either be there for, for Roosh tonight or, cast it. Or, <laughs> or, or we'll take you to court because Matt Hardy's been contract tampering. I'm so bored of all this. Yeah. Look, it's MGF's thing now, just leave it to him. Mm-hmm. Leave it to him and make him seem like the prick who actually wants to go to this boring sludge of a three-hour Triple H show. That's the good heel character. Stop taking the piss. I might like Raw, but imagine being gotten to by Triple H. That's, like, pretty lame, isn't it? If, like, you've been gotten to enough that you're making these loser mid-carders be contact tampering stuff. Tell you what, right, I was obviously gotten to by the praise level at Triple H. <laughs> so it's not actually that good. It's just, it just makes sense. That's the bare minimum for everything. I got a little bit pressed. <laughs> pressed. Pressed. That, uh, that people are praising it. And I didn't deserve it, really. He's actually right off the boil as a booker. In uh, 2018, maybe, if you ask me. Um, then I stopped caring after a week. Mm. Tony Conch really stopped caring. I listen to a lot of things, just don't care about it. And he's a billionaire. So. Yeah. Uh, it was time next for National Scissoring Day. <laughs> Three-way scissor in the Water Culture Studio. Um, Tony Schiavone asked Taz the scissor and Taz goes, no. <laughs> Dead. Uh, so we get the acclaimed and daddy ass making their entrance. Loads of Washington references there, of course. Uh, and then there's a podium. Bowen steps up and talks through what the acclaimed's done uh, and says the, the AEW now stands for acclaimed every Wednesday. He calls himself the Sultan of Scissor and says scissoring is a handshake and a sign of friendship. <laughs> uh, and we're a team, not just guys thrown together like Keith Lee. And what do they call him? It wasn't Swerve Strictly, like Sneaky Swerve. Sneaky, Sneaky Swerve. swerve. That was it. it should be terrible, but it was yeah. good. Um, Daddy Ass says uh, this isn't Swerve's house it's Daddy Ass's house a lot of people claiming this is their house I've realised yeah Swerve's house Daddy Ass's house uh, Soraya says it's her house Uh, and he presents Bowens and Caster and I thought for a split second they'd ruin it because Tony Schiavone went oh it's kids to see but he got this gold thing and you're like oh what and he said I've got this from City Hall and it's a giant golden pair of scissors and Max and uh, and Anthony celebrate and run around with them and Daddy Ass says ah no running with scissors, which is wise words from Daddy Ass there. Um, Caster says, now it's part of the service uh, to turn to your left and right and offer a scissor of peace. I can't believe how over this is. It's preposterous, but I love it. Uh, he talked about his father being on the Washington football uh, Super Bowl team from years back and achieving greatness, just like the Acclaim did when they won the titles. He talked about you know his dad being proud of the Super Bowl ring, he now being proud of these tag team titles. He says, look... This nation we live in is divided. This city we're in now is divided. The nation we're in is divided. There's no red or blue. Everyone wears pink because everyone looks good in pink. And it's now time for a bipartisan scissor. And they set up three corners of the ring. They're going to oh, rush into the to do it. And then right as they're about to, to nail the three-way scissor, uh, of course, Swerve's music hits. And he comes down and goes, what the bloody hell are you guys doing? I've never seen something so 
ridiculous in all my life. Uh, and he says, oh, those tag titles, they should be on Billy Gunn's shoulders because uh, he's the reason that we lost the titles. Um, and he challenged Gunn for Dynamite next week. Uh, and he said, uh, he had, well, he had a rock in his hand, of course, because because rock beats scissors. And then Mark Sterling comes out. So great. Says, well, paper covers rock, so I'm out of the way. I popped. I I thought that was, I thought the rock was cute. I was like, like, this is what we talk about sometimes, that. And then like, uh, a paper beats rock, buddy. I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah, you got me. That's good. Uh, And he said, yeah, finally someone's come around to see what much of a dickhead this guy Swerve is. And says, oh, look, I've got this this contract. I've got this, you know, signatures, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone, scissor me! <laughs> gets the crap beaten out of him by all of them. Uh, and uh, Billy Gunn accepts uh, their challenge and then scissors with the acclaim to a huge pep. The flying scissors leg drop thing. Yeah. <laughs> Only in wrestling would you see something so stupid and genius in the thinnest possible line that straddles it. The, the rock thing, I was like, huh. <laughs> and then just the actual build to the gag was like sometimes comedy works so hard that you have to ruffle it on the head, even if it's not that funny a joke. Mm-hmm. You just admire the sheer craft behind it, even if you don't necessarily think it's funny. This was that moment. Mm-hmm. How dare this be profound? Yeah. How dare this be profound as it kind of was when mm. you saw perfect strangers with those wide shots, like people who they weren't with are going, oh, can we scissor? Can we? It was really <laughs> nice. Yeah. It was just super, super nice. I'm a cynical bastard with a dark sense of humor who is a nihilist, uh, misanthrope, no real hope for the world, I don't think. And then you got a glimpse of it in this scissoring celebration, and I was a little bit, uh, honestly, I was a little bit, not teary, but I was like, that's just bloody nice. Mm. I glowed a little bit. This act is incredible. This was funny. I don't know how it was funny, but it really was. I loved this. I loved it too. You, know, you shouldn't underestimate what a risk this was. Um, this to me, like this sums up this dynamite more than anything else. And I put this on Twitter, and again, I'd tweeted this before I'd read about the legit fight that took place. It was like, <laughs> the good vibes are back, and AW's been a vibes promotion since day one. We always go back to our separate experiences of All Out 2020. Cedric switches on halfway through when Matt Hardy's half dead, oh, yeah. and all the wrestlers are melting to death in the heat. Hey, guys, why are you having a good time? Like, seeing that tweet and going... Read the room, buddy. Cedric arrives late at the virtual party where everybody's put the drinks down and he's going to leave. And he's doing a dance-off in the middle of the floor. Come on, guys. What's the problem? I was there. I felt like that. Like, because I've not read the news. And I was like, the good vibes are back. And it's because of this, right? This sort of stuff used to go on. Not in the Attitude Era. Don't get this confused just because Billy Gunn's there. This used to go on in the year 2000. This was effectively Too Cool and Rikisha's entire year 2000. When a product is hot... Oh my god. Everything will get over. Everything will feel valid. Everything will feel like it's worth its place, right? When a product is cold or there's just a bit of an ill feeling about it, this stuff dies badly on its arse and it punishes the talent for getting involved and all that sort of stuff. And yet, it, like, it was just so much to love. The comedy was stupid, but as Sidgwick points out, it felt like, I, I don't know, it felt like quite cathartic for they the big faces. for it, like. Yeah, they really worked for it and it just. Like, even if, like, a joke didn't land, and I'm pretty... They all did. It yeah. would have, like, scanned as a noble failure while they carried on. Podiums in wrestling, like, presidential podiums in wrestling are cool because, like, politicians have realised now that if you actually lean into a podium and start slamming your fish, you look like a dictator. So they have to, like, do that awful David Cameron thumb finger thing and, like, make a point with it. Wrestlers can lean in, they can flex their shoulders, and they can do that electioneering type thing. And it looks awesome. MJF did it, didn't he, against mm. Moxley? And it just, like, makes their bodies look a certain way. And, like, you, the message feels profound all of a sudden. And I just, I thought all of this came across as absolutely perfect and summed up 
maybe just maybe where AW were headed to again, like because and it's so perfect that you claimed are a homegrown act that they were like well, ironically enough, thrown together. Like that Tony Khan threw them together, but it wasn't just take him or take him. It was thinking and it was figuring out what might work long term. They were the perfect act for the perfect segment. And eat right down to how great Swerve was. Like it takes supreme confidence to be as deadpan and as laid back as he was in the face of all of this. And Billy Gunn saying, like, wait there, that was obviously a bit of improvisation where like you wanted to accept the challenge there and then and Swerve didn't have any lines left and he didn't he, like there wasn't it wasn't in the layout or the format to right Billy Gunn's going to accept and you're going to react to it you could tell the cameras weren't ready but it was just when you know your character when you feel natural you play that off he looked disgusted it's like you made me wait just to accept it why would I think you weren't going to accept it you should want to wrestle mm-hmm. me like every like he measured it but he's awesome at the moment like, I love watching Swerve yeah, and like and as a perfect contrast figure he's been I think as crucial as getting the acclaim to the level they were already over. He's been so vital in elevating them. Like, I'm trying to think of what the Outlaws equivalent would have been in terms of them turning babyface. But when, like, the Outlaws... people suck their cocks. Yeah, well, that was probably... Suck it, suck it, suck it. But, yeah, um, I, I just think Swerve's been an underrated element in the acclaim getting Too as big as they have. 14. Yeah. That's how they got over. So that was the Swerve line. There's nothing anywhere near as crafted as this. More Like, more kids are going to get suspended because of you, old man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the scissoring. Great line. Well, to be honest, I've told you the story, haven't I? Where in history, year seven it would have been. Uh, yep, year seven, when the teacher went, when people were like, the kids were being rambunctious. I got two words for you. <laughs> and like, me went, suck it. And got bollocked. <laughs> <laughs> what else went to say when someone yeah. in 1998 <laughs> says to you, I've got two words for you? <laughs> it's down there. So, suck it. <laughs> And also, ちょっと待ってよ。ちょっと待ってよ。ちょっと待ってよ。ちょっと待ってよ。ちょっと待ってよ。ちょっと待ってよ。ちょっと待ってよ。ちょっと待ってよ。ちょっと待ってよ。
Let's have a tag match on Friday. Didn't Madison Rain in the segment say something to the effect of, I can like learn charisma or something, delivering it in the most flat and uncharismatic <laughs> way possible, and you can't it. You know what the literal translation of charisma is? Do you know this? What's it? Gift from God. That's what charisma means. All right. Yeah. Can't learn that. Can't just learn charisma. Just as I've watched wrestling for like 30 years. I love that, like, as if well. You could just learn charisma, be in a lot better place. And I, I realized this as they did it, though. It's like a natural gift from God. You've either got it, This idea don't. as well that, like, she sort of, like, put all I her. I can hard work on my charisma. Well, start now. She, like, put all her wrestling hard yards in. <laughs> like, not being harsh, but, what, nah, a, but like, what a stupid thing to say. She was from, like, uh, all of her roots and, like, experiences in TNA. Like, that's hardly like Jonathan Gresham's Terminus, is and, it? Uh, Do you know uh, what I mean? It's like, kind of required to have a bit of it there. Wrestling the second. But Terrible I'm, segment. Well, the only thing I liked about this was like, hang on, you've just said there's a match on Battle of the Belts, which is also Friday night. Rampage is Friday night. That's technically two hours with two women's matches on it. Two different shows. Two, two different, different shows, shows yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't let him have that Two one. different shows. It was, it was funny. Meltzer said what would have been a good idea, it's a double-edged sword. If you could have just had a two-hour Battle of the Belts, the implication is, oh, we can miss di- uh, Rampage a week. So I understand why they yeah. didn't do it. But uh, one of the reasons why they didn't just do a two-hour Battle of the Belts is because they've got two women's matches planned, and that can't do. <laughs> Tony Carla elbowing Jerry Lynn. That's <laughs> not called Battle of the Broads. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been half. Right, hang on. Scissor that booking. <laughs> Battle of the Melts because Dark Order are on it. <laughs> I like them, but they are, they are, they are Melt. <laughs> Hangman Page versus Roosh was next. Uh, early on, Paige teases a book shot. Rush does the whole cr- tranquilo thing. Uh, Jose, the assistant, there. He's grabbing the leg of Paige. So Rush sends him right... Uh, uh, hangman, not not uh, his assistant, sends him right into the guardrail and um, chokes Paige in full view of the referee with the gu- with the uh, cables that are oh, yeah. at uh, ringside. It's silly. Yeah, it's silly. Why well, flagged this up a couple of weeks ago. He was winging it, wasn't he? Let's not pretend there was some like big long-form story just for the benefit of the Sammy and Eddie thing. It was for that and that alone. What was? This referee thing. Like, I mean, ah, it's annoying. Thought of that, yeah. It's like, annoying yeah. that. So that because there was the, there was one they sort in of the, did it, and he went, "Oh, the referee's been distracted." And then the referee came over, and he still had the the cable wire around his neck, and the referee was like, "Paul oh, Turner should have a word." Come, yeah. come on now, come on. Because the Jericho belt shot wasn't great, and like, I that's the, the, I hadn't thought about that one. That was more egregious. It's like God, the referees are tightening up. They're not, though, are they? It was one week. It was one, for one finish. <laughs> you tighten up for one finish. Sure can, boss. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. And it was to job Eddie Kingston out. <laughs> That sucks. That really sucks. Uh, anyway, heel again. <laughs> Hangman Page gets picked apart by Roosh during the break, uh, but Page fights back. Fall away slam, slingshot crossbody to the floor. MJF's watching, clutching his poker chip backstage. Roosh tries a leapfrog, but Page counters into a Death Valley driver for a two count. Um, Roosh no sells, uh, no sells uh, multiple forearms. Monkey flip, he goes for in the corner, but Page counters it into a slam and a jackknife pin for two. Uh, they repeat the spot with a book shot. This time, Page kicks away the assistant, but uh, flips straight into a Roosh headbutt and a straight jacket pile driver for a nice near fall. Roosh goes for the bull's horns but runs straight into a lariat. Buckshot lariat out of nowhere from Page for the one, two, three. Again, we'll divvy this up because a lot happened post-match here. Yeah, didn't hit the ceiling that I thought this match was capable of. Bit short, maybe anticlimactic at the finish. He's in the money. Roosh is in the money. He's in the money, lady. <laughs> He's in the money. He's in the money. Yeah. He did not go 15 minutes and work his ass off here. But he hit. Page really hard, and he got hit really hard in return. And I enjoyed it as a ghoul without going, like, mental on my couch. Didn't really wake me up here. Didn't really turn me on. 
But I enjoyed it nonetheless. I forgot about it seconds after as well because the promo was of such a standard. Yeah. Hangman Page just won a match that you could, that was the detail you needed. You needed to have to won and to feel like he's got all the momentum so you could feel a little bit confident there. Yeah, speak out after what yeah. John Moxley said. More like Silas Young than a Takeshita match. Yeah. Looking at pages 2022. 20, yeah, so Private Party comes down to the ring, but before they can get involved and help or decide whatever they're going to do, John Moxley shows up and just goes, don't do it, boys. Come on. And they leave. Uh, he obviously wants Hangman Page fresh and ready for their match in, I was going to say two weeks, 13 days technically. It's on the Tuesday, of course. Uh, and Moxley had a great line that I know you put over on, on Twitter, Sige. Uh, he's been waiting for this for three years between himself and, and Hangman Page. And uh, he talks about them beating just about everybody in AEW except each other. Uh, he says there's going to be one last man standing in AEW. He's going to show up to his hometown arena, choke Page out until he turns blue and be victorious, basically. He says, I respect you, but uh, when the bell rings, I respect no one. Goes to leave and Page goes, well, you're talking a big talk, you know, you want to fight. Let's have it. Let's have it. Let's have a knuckle fight right now, then. <laughs> and Moxie has another great line here. He says, "Look, you're a sweet kid, but like a lot of kids around here, your mouth gets you in trouble. I'm going to let you off the hook just this once." Which, for a, a way of not disappointing, letting down the fans to not have a match was a hell of a thing to pull off. It was, and he could interpret it also as maybe I don't want it just yet. Maybe I'm not totally ready for it. But mm. that's just an interpretation. Between the two of us, we've beaten just about everyone there is to beat here in AEW except each other. Mm. Counted them, 20 words, which is brilliant because it allows me to be a complete arsehole about Triple H and his stupid 20-minute <laughs> promos. And here's the thing. The fact of the matter is, uh, 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 shut your mouth, you're born. You only need 20 words when you're mocks and you're actually talented and you're really good at your craft and you can cut a promo that isn't completely and utterly interminable like Triple H's was. 20 words and he's made you realize, oh, hang on, this is a massive match between literally the two most winningest baby faces in AEW, Jesus Christ, CM Punk, Eddie Kingston, MJF, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, they've beat the lot between them. The only big, massive, he could headline a pay-per-view, AEW star, that neither of them beat was Cody Rhodes, but they can't beat him now, so it doesn't really yeah. detract. Yeah. There's not like a big asterisk, because he's not there anymore. Um, but yeah, an incredible line that made this match feel massive. I was ready to buy a pay-per-view on the back of this promo. But instead, we're getting it on free TV. It's weird that they're doing this, especially with like the status of CM Punk and Kenny Omega up in the air. You'd think that at some point they could run this next year. And they're still good in a stip, I guess, but I'm all for it. A bit more bold in your TV book, and I've been asking for it for ages, and I'm getting possibly the best version of it, or one of them. Yeah, I um, I was not very interested in this match because the result wasn't in doubt. And I'm not sure that result is still in any doubt, particularly. It's so but much of a page over that it kind of works. Yeah, I want to watch it now. And they've given me the reason to want to watch them fight, which like, I found this super... Like, it was obviously really economical, but really effective as well. Um, we talked about, like, who couldn't be featured on this show and who couldn't be spotlighted over three years of AEW Dynamite. Again, to, like, talk about an old WWF of our youth when Vince is down to just Brett and Sean. It's like, well, best push Brett and Sean. Like, there's nobody else from my archives I can push and use. Here's you too. Like, Paige and Moxley embody everything about AEW going back to day one, but are, like, still just as relevant now, fighting for the title. Like, make this look like the biggest match because here's what, like, these are foundational people. These are actual pillars of AEW and they're going to fight for the title. That feels great. There was another... John Moxley does something every week that's, like, the best thing you've ever seen because that's what he is now. Like, the 
It was uh, it was Matt Reigns. I'll be kind about him, the asshole. Like asking us yesterday on Twitter about like our favorite dynamite. He's a great guy. Yeah. And like he, the thing about reflecting on dynamite, it's been so fantastic. There are loads of moments featuring like all your favorite wrestlers. Most on the roster have probably had something that they could say. Well, this is the best thing I've done in my career. It was on dynamite. John Moxley does it nearly every week. It's impossible to isolate a single promo because there were just so many. And there was a line here because he's so locked into being himself. Where I thought in a split second he spotted something that he said that didn't totally track, so he made it track. He said he's talking about like the hometown building. He says, uh, "I grew up in that building." It's like is it a bit nerdy to say you grew up in a fifteen thousand seat arena or however big this venue is? And he says, uh, "Literally, we always used to smoke and drink outside." And he's like, "You just made that cool, dickhead!" Like you just uh, the, like all of a sudden like you're picturing this guy. Oh, can we go and watch the sports, Dad? Yeah, and he's turned it into like. No, that's a John Moxley line, not that one. And just to watch him do that so quickly was absolutely inspired. Absolutely. Um, so this was the part where uh, Tony Schiavone is congratulating Willow Nightingale. She says, I'm on a roll. And you know what? I want to face Jade Cargill for the TBS title and better build. Um, and there and there is, uh, coincidentally, Jade, Kira Hogan and Layla Gray to interrupt. And she goes, I've been here twice already. And uh, Willow says, yeah, but I've got a good feeling about this one. And maybe I can be the one in 38 and one. I hope she is. Uh, oh boy, one, it's not happening. I no. th- this, they got this completely the wrong way around. I'm not going to be like super critical of it because I think the match is a f- way more interesting proposition off the back of like Willow Nightingale. Like a super like enthusiastic babyface getting one win and now thinking, you know, like third time around I can take down Jade Cargill. There's nothing wrong in that as a character. I just think I wish they're still just obsessed with the way they produce and they just need to think a little bit more outside the box. If you have uh, Jade Cargill actually saying... I've got no challenges for Battle of the Belts because we're aware that potentially it was going to be Nyla Rose. But so, like she could come up with a line. Whatever that isn't happening, it's not happening. So she's like, you know, I was going to have Nyla Rose, but I've not got a challenge now. This is pathetic. I thought that I thought there was a revolution going on around here. And then Willow Nightingale, still a bit knackered, still a bit breathless, but celebrating the victory, comes in a shot. We're like, well, things went pretty well for me tonight. And then Jade Cargill says, well, I've beaten you twice. And it's like, yeah, but have you seen tonight? You're getting a different me now. How that changes, how this feels yeah. is totally different. Now it... As much as I love Willow Nightingale, it still to me feels like a, a Jade match. Look, I could be proven wrong. This could be the shock of the year. I don't think it's going to be. I think this is a last minute decision and a good one because getting over in defeat will probably do Willow Nightingale no harm. And obviously, there'll be interest in the match because she's slowly getting over. They shot an angle indicating that it would be Nyla Rose and she's from Washington. Mm-hmm. There might be an injury issue yeah, exactly. there because I expect that was the match that was going to happen if it wasn't actually announced. Uh, and then it was time for Luch. It's funny, Luchasaurus in action was all we knew about yesterday, and we were all this close to saying, "I'll oh, probably be someone like Fuego del Sol." It was Fuego del Sol versus <laughs> Luchasaurus choke slam, and then I've written "Burning Hammer" here. I don't think it was quite a Burning Hammer yeah. from Luchasaurus uh, for a very oh, I liked e- it if it were easy uh, <laughs> squash victory. Um, but before he can kill him even more, and Christian Cage can set him on him, uh, Jungle Boy hits the ring with a chair, clobbers Luchasaurus, he goes out to the floor. Christian says, ah, ah no, holds him back. And uh, Jungle Boy says, you're my best friend, you broke my heart, and now I'm going to break your fingers, your hands, your arms, and everything piece by piece until I break you, Luchasaurus. Pick the time and the place, I'll fight anywhere, I will be ready. And Christian goes, well, what about here right now? Now these are all crap, it's crap here, isn't it? You, all you lot. Uh, how about next week? In my hometown in Canada. It's a hospital pass. I have to no sell that. I have to no sell it because it's terrible, but you make me not no sell it because you're a very funny man. I'm bored of this. Um, Jungle Boy saying really earnest stuff like, broke my heart. 
to an evil dinosaur. <laughs> and I can't be possibly into this. I think this Luchasaurus heel turn has been a bit of a disaster. I don't know where he goes in all of this, or if he just tags with someone else or just kind of goes away for a while and does the old ROH or dark thing. Andrade, we've been looking for an evil dinosaur <laughs> yes. for over months. Yeah. Uh, this is not doing it for me at all. It just feels really, really fake. It's like, uh, I don't know, man. It just feels like this act could only exist as this act, and when you try and break it apart, I've just got no interest in it. It's like watching um, that film about the divorce with a meme. Oh, yeah. Marriage Story. Marriage Story yeah. with, like, Mario and Princess Peach. <laughs> so I don't want to see these literal cartoon characters in this really it's dark... It is. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I don't want to watch these ostensible cartoon characters in this kind of gritty storyline, and that's the vibe I'm getting. It's just nonsensical to me. It's a me, Jungle Boy. Shut up. <laughs> oh, God. I Successfully no sold. Turns out it can't happen. The detail of it, like, Jungle Boy offering out the any place, any time, and Christian having his hometown right there is quite good. Yeah. Like, I did, like, we said this could go to the pay-per-view. No one's really felt like it should, yeah. but it's like, well, it's inevitable, it's making it to pay-per-view, and it said they found a cooler way to make it a, a nice television spectacle. It's nothing more than nice. Honestly, the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus split, I, if you wanted to heat up Jungle Boy and Christian Cage, it just turns out that there was probably like five or six better ways to do it, and they just never bothered thinking of it beyond the split. Them splitting is scanning like like a Vince McMahon splitting an act up for no reason. Split. Yeah. Like, it's just like, well, this was like the natural place it had to go. Was it? Nobody was calling yeah. for it. Like, you, the feud was Christian from the very beginning. And yes, this was a twist, and sometimes it's worth gambling on a twist. But this one hasn't paid off, and it's like you almost successfully retconned it. And yet, did it anyway. So, I don't like, there's just, there's, there is, it's very hard to speculate where they both go. And Jungle Boy's in a position where he, like MJF was, and like uh, where Sammy and Darby have been at points in terms of this Pillars conversation, which is feeling dead now. Uh, Jungle Boy needed this story to be the thing that readied him for other stuff. Whereas it's like really hard to watch what his character even is without this angle. I'm mm. not feeling excited about Jungle Boy's next move beyond this. And that's. Really what you should be doing is fantasy booking that wrestler's next thing yeah. as this one's coming to an end. Uh, it's going to be Pac versus Trent Beretta on Friday. Uh, Trent says, tasty. I don't need a hammer to beat you. And Pac says, I'm a bastard. What do you expect? Um, so that's that set up for... for uh, that one, Rampage. That's Battle of the Belts. That's Battle of the Belts. Yeah, well, like an it feels matches Rampage. And he's not going to... Which one comes first? Well, so I want to watch them out of chronology uh, in case results get given Rampage away. Rampage and then... Battle yeah, Rampage and Battle of the Belt. So he's going to like, and he's not going to half-arse it in the uh, trios match, is he? No. So they're going to play with Trent having, like, that Pac's going to be gassed. And does, does he, I don't think he gets gassed. I was going to say. Machine? Uh, main event time on... Oh, what did we think of John Silver's Geordie accent? Funny. I thought it was crap, but maybe that was the point. It was more Scottish, wasn't it? I think yeah. that's what he was going for. It's all the same then. Over did in they s- take the piss out of us as well? Yeah. I think we can nail everything. I wonder what John right Silver's there. Sunday Scary was. Grown up and being a grown adult <laughs> because he's such a he's a bit of a teenager, isn't he? The cancellation of being the elite because he's because <laughs> he's I, I like him, but it can get a bit much. Yeah, uh, right. Main event time: Ring of Honor World Champion Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Ring of Honor Pure Champion Daniel, Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson. Of course, uh, there's a handshake at the start between Garcia and Jericho, so there is some respecting of the rules to, at least to begin with. Um, Sammy Guevara is already getting chance. This was the point when I thought, right, someone's gone on here, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Garcia takes Jericho down a few times, but you 
know, he's respectful. And there's a bit of a chop exchange. Uh, Guevara trips Garcia and gets like a... Mo- I was like, that's only a trip, guys. Jeez. But yeah, again, it all makes sense afterwards. Uh, Garcia drop kicks the leg out of Guevara's leg. Um, that allows Danielson to tag in and just start lighting him up with strikes and take out Jericho with a dive. There's a drop kick off the top by uh, Brian Danielson and Guevara just eats loads of kicks. He actually gets him uh, in the label lock briefly. Um, but uh, Jericho just boots him in the face and blocks cattle mutilation into the walls of Jericho. Garcia teases breaking up. Jer- Jericho lets the hold go and then just knocks Garcia off the apron with a punch. Anyway, Guevara goes for a t- dive off the top, but Danielson gets a beautiful half-and-half half suplex into running corner kicks. Jericho cut- cuts Danielson off in the ropes, and Guevara hits the Spanish fly for a two. Uh, there's a double down as Danielson and Guevara collide, and Garcia and Jericho come in at the same time. There's a face-off. Guevara tries a sort of cheap shot flying in there uh, but gets just punched in the face and everyone really likes that um, Garcia lights up Jericho with punches and kicks back suplex gets a two uh, Jericho blocks a kick but then Garcia blocks a walls of Jericho and puts him in the dragon tamer um, Guevara takes out Garcia same on a dive with uh, Danielson outside and there's you still suck chance echoing around the arena at this point Garcia no-sells some chops and gets the knees up as uh, Jericho goes for a lion salt. Uh, Guevara makes the tag and just dives straight into a crossface. Danielson puts uh, Jericho in the crossface as well, and then they both start hitting the BCC uh, anvil elbows to Guevara and Jericho. Uh, Garcia and Danielson go for a double back suplex, but Guevara lands on his feet, takes out Danielson with a beautiful standing Spanish fly and uh, kicks Garcia right in his spine for her two count. Like the weirdest ultimate babyface fire up from a two-on-one situation ever from the guy that's the most hated man in the building. It was so straight. It was awesome. It was like you you couldn't give that to like Steve Austin doing a run in that hit. Like Uh, Garcia is about to get hit with a GTH but counters that into a pile driver. Jericho breaks up the count. Uh, Danielson knees Jericho off the apron but Jericho suplexes him through the table to take them both out. It seems Guevara hits the GTH, goes for a shooting star press, but uh, Garcia gets his knees up and puts him in the dragon tamer. You think that must be the finish. And then Aubrey, who's checking on Guevara, asking him, do do you want to submit? Uh, And Garcia's got his head close to the ropes. And, you know, uh, Aubrey can't see a a single bit of this. And Jericho clobbers Garcia with the Ring of Honor title belt. Guevara steals the pin and uh, JAS celebrates their ill-gotten victory, Sige. You know dickheads on Twitter, right? I've heard about them, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like the worst kind. I don't, you know what, in relation to the worst troll accounts, like, I think the worst ones are the cloud chasers. Mm. It's much banged. Like, I I know. Three flame Uh, emojis. Yeah, I heard it. So you know how the cloud chasing dickheads and the Brain-dead idiots have both got this thing, and they both got it wrong, where they go, no one talks about this great match. Like, I, I've got the key, I've got the secret, I'm, I, just, I, I know these things, I'm just, honestly, no one should talk, no one talks about this match, and they should, because it's really good, and it's Undertaker versus f***ing Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. <laughs> you can only pick one, Undertaker, Kane, Mark Henry, Kenny Omega. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got like no one talks about this match. It's uh it's really good actually. It's uh you know, Sean Michaels versus the Undertaker twenty five. So if you got that extreme <laughs> Don't sleep on Undertaker Mankind, hell in a cell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've got that extreme, or you've got <laughs> this era just hit different. And it's um raw in twenty twenty during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, retribution. Like those things can meet in the middle 
idiots, what you'll actually find is there is some things that get overlooked and maybe should get praised more. And that leads me to the sex gods are like a top 10 tag team in AW history <laughs> for how little we've seen them. I love the sex gods. They're a great tag team. I really hope that this... I, I want a proper the sex gods tag team run with Jericho and Guevara. I think they are such a good tag team. If you go back, and I'll do a four-match graphic picture collage on Twitter if you need us to do that, because they had a match with best friends during the pandemic, and I thought it was crazy good this. You can put two, like, videos next to you. You've seen, seen this show about yeah. this? You can put, like, videos next to each other now. You could do that. Now, like, yeah. Four the sex gods highlight packages. Like the so but, Cody getting very emotional about that on Twitter last what's night. This? Someone was like, you can do four videos at the same time. And it was all Cody fighting back tears in various different <laughs> 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 AW, Monday Night Raw, resume. That's yeah. great. Um, but this was another all-action, multi-layered Le Sex Gods special where I just love Daniel Garcia like flexing his wrestling ability over Jericho. Some absolutely... Brilliant stuff in the middle. And then, ah, only pure wrestling's for now when you've got an arsehole who knows how to cheat. <laughs> Maybe that is the way and it feeds the mystery. Really good stuff. Yeah, I'm totally back on board with the story as a result of this match. It was... I simultaneously want ROH to go away and I'm really enjoying Chris Jericho's way of treating ROH at the same time. Yeah, it's it feels very purposeful under Chris Jericho, which shouldn't come as a shock. But if there is a TV deal coming or if this was another attempted backdoor pilot with all the handshakes and stuff, then Jericho remains the guy to do it. This story, yeah, just got 10 times hotter than it was last week. Um, it's ironic as well in the week that there was a bit of discourse around Eric Bischoff saying, you know what they're really about? Matches. It's like a wrestling match. It's completely salvaged all of this because you can tell stories in wrestling matches. That's what they do. Imagine that, you know, especially because the story is so centered around wrestling versus sports entertainment as well. Um, matter, Eric? Get your scissors. <laughs> I said, what's the matter, Eric? That was the best tweet of all time dropped today. Unbelievable. I can't remember who tweeted it, so but like, someone, liked so it. basically for context, yeah, uh, we are guilty it, yeah. of not really, uh, applying context to our bollocks on this yeah. podcast. During the acclaimed segment, um, Eric Bischoff tweeted something to the he effect of, live tweeting and then he live was, tweeting yeah. something effective and I'm out because you know, the UWFI apparently. Yeah. And he can't sanction this sort of thing. Um, which wasn't a wrestling match. He's such a bad faith actor, but we know this. So during the National Scissoring Day segment, someone tweeted, but yeah, what's the matter, Eric? You forget your scissors? <laughs> <laughs> it was Mian, M-E-A-R-N. Mian. And then one of my favorite things, when the reply is even better than the tweet, I said, what's the matter, Eric? <laughs> Did you forget your scissors? Absolutely brilliant. But AW shouldn't book to a hardcore niche audience. Apparently not, no. It's uh, just so easy. I, I don't want to do this. It's so easy to bat away literally everything he says mm. because he wants you to do that because he just wants your attention. What a, what a sad little life, Jane. It is, though, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Willingly appearing like an absolute moron just so people talk about you being a moron. Just retire with dignity, you cock. Yeah, he looked like he was living a good life, didn't he? And then, like, there was a, a bonus griff that came at the last minute. Like, this, wasn't he going bang? I don't know. Do you know that? Just did, you, did you really like this? Because next week, or sorry, two weeks from now, we're going to get uh, Daniel Garcia. Yeah, I took my licks, but uh, it was all part of a, you know, like the Bully Ray Aces and Eights thing. Oh, he does the big So he's laying through the ropes. He's gone, Jericho, you fucked up with that title. Bischoff will be ripping it clean off if they do that, man. I want six video packages explaining it beat <laughs> by beat. Yeah, I'd, um, the match next week has obviously got, is loaded with intrigue now. I'm not terribly. Mad keen on Jericho Danielson 3. 
Like, I think they got every little bit they could out of yeah. the second match. But there's the injury. Do you want them beat again? No, well, and this is it. And if there is a Garcia turn coming or whatever. We've already done Garcia Danielson. I don't know the direction, but I'm going to let it play out. Yeah. Garcia Danielson for the pure title, though. Is I think so. Talking about it. I think that's the way to go. Garcia Danielson at full gear for the pure title. Plus, you know, right. you know what that, that result means? I, I love them together, but I, I'm not. It's another win for the Yocho. It means we can, Sidgwick. It means we can still have uh, Jericho once he's beaten Danielson. He can fight uh, Dalton Castle because I want to see Jericho and Dalton uh, Castle for the ring one yeah. time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. I think Danielson's the guy who takes it off him, but never mind. that's Punk in a year. <laughs> Good luck, pal. He's a snake. Good luck, pal. Uh, right, let us know you your thoughts never come on everything we've discussed <laughs> on Twitter at what Nobody's ever coming back. WWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet on Twitter at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Uh, you can check out his brilliant ups and downs article as well at whatculture.com. I, I've just read it as an audiobook. <laughs> I've literally just read it as an audiobook. Uh, and the Dadleys will be back tomorrow to preview AW Rampage and Bell Built 4, is it? No. Yeah. Uh, Adam Will <laughs> Tony, Tony Connors is fine. Not another one. <laughs> <laughs> Not another one. <laughs> Adam Will on Twitter. <laughs> At what culture WWE for all of us? What culture wrestling wherever you get your podcast from? Ever Sedgwick. Oh yeah. Did we even do that bit? I think we did. Yeah, we did. Follow us twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been the Dynamite Review. Uh, thanks to the Dudley Voice. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.